0: I'd like this evening to look back to the theme of our worship, which is the doctrine of God, and looking at the fact that he is all-knowing. Now this is quite a difficult subject, it's quite a difficult doctrine. I uh, need your cooperation to draw out the truth prayerfully from the passage and to concentrate on the word that we're looking at this evening omniscient is the word that we use when we're speaking about God being all knowing, knowing all things. Now over the last number of weeks there's been a lot in the press about the credit crunch and we've seen a lot of uh, businesses going to the wall because of the credit crunch and it's partly my hope and I hope it's the the hope of other people as well, that the credit crunch and what has happened economically will change people's behaviour because the reality is that there has been uh, dreadful, unrestricted lending uh, among the banks and there has been a real legitimisation in uh, government circles of greed in the business world. And I hope that people will change their behaviour because of the credit crunch and what has happened uh, in business. And very often when events happen in our lives like that, when we are faced with a certain change of information or knowledge, then we ourselves have to change accordingly. And that is no different with doctrine. We're looking for more knowledge of God in our uh, studies. As we come to worship and as we open up scripture... We're looking to be confronted with uh, things about God that we didn't know already so that uh, we realign ourselves to God rather than coming to God as complete beings and saying, God, you change to be like us. You know, chop off the bits here and there that we're not happy with and you just change and realign yourself to us. Whereas in reality, we are coming to worship we're coming to god's word we're coming to his revelation in order for us to be realigned to him and sometimes that's difficult because sometimes what the bible reveals about god is really deep and also difficult for us to understand but that's good isn't it if everything was shallow and easy for us to understand then he would probably just be an idol anyway he'd be someone that we've made up but the revelation of God sets him apart, and we uh, wrestle spiritually to cope with what is revealed about himself. What I want to do this evening is use a text from uh, 1 John chapter 3, where we read from, uh, to base our thoughts about what the Bible says about God being all-knowing. And it's frightening stuff in some ways, it's very challenging, and it reminds us again... That we don't take God alongside us and just make Him as like us as we can, but that He is worthy of our worship because He is altogether different from us. And there are two simple statements in verse 20. Uh, John is really speaking about loving one another and uh, uh, telling us how we, uh, showing us, encouraging how we are to live our lives. And then he says at the end of that verse, "For God is greater than our hearts." and he knows everything and it's really that statement that i want to unpack a little bit tonight god is greater than our hearts and he knows everything they're two very simple statements and we'll just spend a little time unpacking them uh, this evening and i hope that in so doing that we'll learn a little bit more about god and about uh, worship and about what it means to be his child so we'll start with the second one first god knows everything and that's our theme god is all-knowing god is omniscient omnipotent all-powerful omnipresent all-present all-knowing omniscient and god knows everything that's what this text declares and that is what the bible says in many different ways and in many different forms it's a summary of the bible teaching. And if we were to summarize what the Bible says about God knowing everything, it would be along the lines of God knows himself and all things things possible uh, and actual in one simple act. God knows himself and all things possible and actual in one simple act. That is uh, what the Bible teaches God knows everything. And I'm going to split that into two bits. And uh, the first is to say that God knows everything about himself. Okay? And I've used in the uh, sermon notes, if you have them there from the bulletin sheet, innately or naturally, uh, within himself, he knows about himself. Absolutely within himself. He has complete knowledge. Uh, In 1 John 1 verse 5, he says, God is light, in him is no darkness at all so there's nothing that is dark within him in terms of truth and knowledge he knows everything there is to know about himself in first corinthians 2 10 and 11 he says the spirit searches all things even the deep things of god and the same way no one knows the thoughts of god except the spirit of god reminding us that the spirit and god himself have this perfect knowledge eh, of themselves within themselves now well so well it just sets them apart doesn't it from us because we are always learning about ourselves we don't have absolute and infinite and complete self-knowledge something might happen to me tomorrow and the way i react to that well i learn something about myself maybe something bad it might be something good but i learn something and i'll, I'll learn something new about how i respond and how i react and, and so might you you're coming to university or college for the first time you'll be learning a lot of new things about yourself as you interact with people and as you live maybe away from home for the first time and we're always learning and we are growing in our knowledge of ourselves in response to things that happen but god is not like that god has this absolute and complete and total self-knowledge it's entirely intuitive he knows himself from within himself it's never unpredictable, and it's never arbitrary. He, complete, he has complete self-knowledge. He knows everything there is to know about God. I know that's it's quite strange. It's quite deep, uh, and maybe you think, well, so what? But it is significant because God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has this entirely open relationship Within the Godhead, so that there is within this Godhead perfect knowledge of each other and perfect trust and perfect openness. There's no secrets from one another, there's nothing that they're hiding from each other. Uh, They're perfectly self aware, and they're never going to change because of that. They're always going to have this perfect knowledge of themselves, which means that they're not going to change. So, there's an innate knowledge that he has about himself he's never going to be surprised by his own reactions never going to be surprised by something new he'll find out about himself god knows entirely everything there is to know about himself now that in itself is infinite knowledge we begin to go beyond uh, the bounds of our understanding so he knows about himself but maybe more significantly and more Um, questioningly for us in our understanding of God is that he knows immediately about everything there is. He knows immediately. In in, in other words, right in front of himself. As it were, in front of his eyes. He knows about absolutely everything else. In Isaiah 46, verse 10, uh, he says, I am God, there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning and it just says that he's there one who knows everything that spans time and spans history and it's all before him entirely uh, before him or psalm 139 where we were singing or we will be singing all the days ordained for me says the psalmist were written in your book before one of them came to be all the days ordained for me you could put your own name in that all the days ordained for Derek were written in your book before one of them came to be absolute knowledge of our birth our life our death its timing and everything about it so all is before him he knows immediately about everything and it's all before him in one instant and i think this is where we find it very difficult to understand because we live within time and space and everything either happens yesterday is happening today or will happen tomorrow and that's how we see past, present, and future. And it's difficult for us to understand or conceive of God who takes everything in in one look, as it were, because he lives outside of time, and uh, he lives beyond or above uh, and out with time, and he sees all past, present, and future before him, as it were, fully present. Every thought, every word, every deed, every possibility is there before God in an instant in one simple act as it were and that is clearly what sets him apart as god again in isaiah 41 god says when he's challenging the people about their idols he says tell us what the future holds so that we may know that you are gods god himself there sees that as a mark of being a god that we are able to to discern the future it sets him apart as god it marks him out as god in colossians one seventeen, he says he is before all things and in him all things hold together he's before all things and in him all things hold together so that sets him apart as god clearly that he knows past present and future all in one kind of act as it were however i keep saying that as it were it's difficult to conceive of these things uh, with our finite minds but that is clearly the teaching that permeates and soaks the whole of scripture i've taken one verse here and he knows everything but it's clearly the teaching of scripture in many different ways it's the teaching of scripture in prophecy because we know don't we that much of the prophetic messages of the old testament are Minutely and uh, clearly uh, fulfilled in the New Testament. So we have detailed prophecies written hundreds of years before they happened being fulfilled. We saw that last week when we looked at Psalm 22 and the cry of Jesus Christ on the cross, and uh, down to the fact that it says that they even took his garments and uh, uh, cast lots for them. Down to that amount of detail, hundreds of years before it happened. So we have these uh, prophetic utterances that are self-fulfilling within the kind of bound of Scripture. Old Testament prophecies reminding us that God knows these things before they come to pass. We have all the promises that he makes and that he promises and ordains to keep. They would be empty and vain promises if he didn't know the fulfillment of them and if he couldn't fulfill them we have his perfect plan of redemption so that in genesis chapter 3 the first book of the bible within the first five chapters we've got this uh, great uh, promise right after the fall which says that uh, the seed of the woman shall bruise uh, the seed of the woman's heel shall be bruised as he crushes the head of the serpent referring of course to christ and to his defeat of satan so there's this great revelation of his plan of redemption which wasn't a mistake jesus didn't die on the cross just because it happened to happen and god then kind of changed things to make it work for good this was all part of god's perfect plan his teaching about judgment his teaching about the new heavens and the earth the texts that talk about the cattle and a thousand hills being his of sparrows falling to the ground with his knowledge doesn't happen without his knowledge that he numbers the grains of sand on the sea the number of hairs that are on our head when it rains when it's sun when the sun shines when uh, the dawn breaks when the fawn gives birth on the mountaintop and nobody sees the bible makes clear that god knows all these things that nothing happens outside of his knowledge all totally before him in one single act. God knows immediately about everything. An astonishing revelation of God from His Word. He knows everything. And of course that includes and I'm not going to really talk about this tonight because it's it's different theology, as it were, deeper or slightly to the side. But that knowledge of God includes the fact that he has foreordained everything and he has predestined some to glory and some not to. He ordains everything. Not only that he foreknows it, not only that he has knowledge, but that he decrees everything to happen. I'll say a little bit more about that. But he decrees even to permit evil. God even uses evil. Never takes pleasure in it can never be blamed for it, is never the author of it, does not allow ourselves to have a denial of our responsibility with regard to it, but nonetheless uses it for his glory. There's nothing outside of his knowledge. Nothing. Now, that might sound very difficult, but I hope as we just unpack it a little bit more, we'll see why it's significant. God knows everything. So the second statement which is actually the first statement in this verse for god is greater than our hearts and that is a very important outworking of this knowledge that god is omniscient that he knows all things and it's a reminder that god is greater than our hearts see this picture that we've drawn this evening very briefly and uh, very shallow uh summary of this teaching it paints a picture of god far beyond our understanding so that we can't sit down and say yeah no problem with that that's okay abc easy i can cope with that about god because it's beyond our understanding it's beyond our brains to take it in and tonight we should thank god absolutely that that is the case your feathers should be ruffled your cages should be rattled by these truths you should have lots of questions about these truths because they go beyond our understanding and you should stop and say hey wait a minute well how can that be the case and what does it mean for a b and c when this truth stares us clearly from god's word and from his truth clearly in the face i hope so i hope it does engender that kind of questioning spirit within you because that's what good theology should always do it should uh, push us to uh, examine god deeper and know what we believe and understand what we believe i hope it does because this truth is the truth of a thousand texts of scripture absolutely clearly as god is revealed and so if you maybe haven't asked questions i'm asking one or two as we uh look at in a sense at the the implications uh, or the consequences of this truth well who is god who is he you may ask uh this god that is revealed to be so different from us well we need to remember that he is god he is just simply god he is god he's revealed as god and a god who is omniscient far greater than we can ever know fully can never know him fully and yet this God who is can we say transcendent really high and holy and lifted up and different from us is the same God who entered the womb of Mary who was born as a refugee and who emptied himself of that glory took on flesh and that flesh was ripped apart on the cross in order for him to be our savior that same god knows you absolutely perfectly this evening knows every single minute detail of thought word or deed action past present or future about you this evening and about me unbelievable that this is our god who despite knowing all that about us and knowing what we're thinking and knowing what we are at the very deepest part of our hearts still in love goes to the cross in order to be our savior this is our god who is he but maybe you ask also well what freedom do we have what freedom do i have if he knows everything that's going to happen indeed if as you say he ordains everything that is going to happen then i'm just kind of a part of this robot in this cosmic world in which he is utterly and completely in control what freedom do we have well that's an old and very real and deep question that many people and many of us do ask and struggle with. I suppose it depends what we mean by freedom. I hope you don't think you've got absolute freedom. Nobody has absolute freedom. None of us make choices that are not caused by something or other. We never make uncaused decisions. They are always caused by our makeup or by our upbringing or by uh, our culture or by uh, our motives are by our longings. And there's lots of things that remind us that we are not absolutely free. You see birds that fly in the sky and you think, oh, they look so tremendously free. But they follow a determined path. But we do recognize that we struggle with that whole concept and we struggle to understand it. But can I say that God Causes us to make willing choices. Somehow, within that mystery, God causes us to make willing, responsible choices. In other words, we can never stand before God and say, Well, you know, you were sovereign. You ordained it. You made me the way I was. Within that mystery, he has ordained our freedom. He says in his word that we have willing choices and the choices you make and the choices i make will have real effects for our life it's not that that's not the case but there is mystery within that that we cannot understand we can't accuse god of lying otherwise he's not trustworthy but just because we can't understand it doesn't mean we need to reject it do we really do we really need to reject everything we don't understand is there not a place in our lives when we can just stop and say lord i believe because that's what you've said even though i completely and entirely can't understand it accepting it by faith because that is what he's revealed for us because he's god and because if we can understand everything about him he ceases to be god and we can't worship him if he's entirely understandable, we can no longer bow our knee before him and worship him. And why would you submit to someone that you can understand entirely? Because he just becomes an idol. What freedom do we have? Well, that is a legitimate and real question. What about uh, the alternative? Because, you know, there's different strands of theology that would argue differently about the kind of God there is in the Bible. And some would argue maybe from a more kind of what is called theological and Arminian point of view, that God doesn't know everything and that that is uh, no God at all, they would say. But what is the alternative to a God who doesn't know everything, past, present and future, in one instant before him? You're saying we've got a God, for example, who didn't want evil to exist because many people will argue that can't possibly believe in a God who wanted evil to exist well we don't say he wanted it to exist but we know that he allowed it to exist but if we have a God who uh, didn't want evil to exist but obviously couldn't stop it happening well what kind of God is he does that mean that evil is unpredictable to him that he can't cope with it that he can't deal with it Or many people argue that God just leaves human beings to shape history themselves, make their own choices, make their own decisions. He stands back and only kind of responds with broad brushstrokes, kind of molding things generally, as it were, in response to how people act. But that's unsatisfactory, is it not? Does it not mean that his promises in the Bible are unsure? Because, well, he doesn't know how things are going to work out does it not make the cross an unpredictable event is it not kind of just for show then that the cry of victory that we looked at last week it is finished isn't true that it it, it isn't finished is the bible untrustworthy is god going to change through the circumstances will the credit crunch make a difference to god Will the global warming are they going to change god at his very nature and change the way he is and change the way he is in his being what about the future doesn't he really know what's going to happen in the future is he going to be as surprised as as anybody else by what happens in the world is he just responding to our own choices it just all begins to crumble if that's the case his confidence of having done this great work of salvation on the cross of his death and resurrection of ascension of the second coming of the new heavens and the new earth they all kind of fall away if we don't let the paradox lie that god knows all things past present and future in one simple act before him and then lastly is it all unhelpful to us or maybe is it all helpful Is it helpful at all to think about these things? Well, always scripture gives us truth for our edification and for our teaching. Yes, it's important. It's very important as Christians because it gives certainty to our faith that when we're praying and asking God for his guidance and his protection and his help and support, we're not praying to someone who says, well, I'm not quite sure if I can do it this week because I'm not really in control and I don't know what the outcome will be. But our security and our certainty as Christians is in the fact that we know and believe that He is sovereign and He has ordained life and our lives and that He is in control, that He is our Father, and that even that He can say all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. And that is all things. That is even the bad things, which means that He is using evil for his own purposes and for his own good until finally it will be destroyed in the last uh, day of judgment it gives us great certainty it gives us great encouragement that when we pray that he chooses to work through our prayers that when we obey him that he promises us life to the full absolutely great guaranteed secure life to the full that he's not just uh, a jack-in-the-box that he's somebody that we can trust and rely on his word is his bond and what he says is absolutely right so it does give us a great certainty in our faith that he knows all things he knows your end and mine i find that quite frightening but at the same time very comforting that he knows about the day of my death that it's not arbitrary that it's not random that it's not just uncontrolled but it's in his purposes it also reminds us of the futility of hiding doesn't it hiding from the god who knows all things past present and future thought word deed and possibilities You know, why are we running from God? Why do we spend our time trying to run from God? Right from the very beginning, sin has had that seed within it. So that Adam tried to hide in the garden, you know, as if the all knowing and all seeing and all present God wouldn't know about him. He hid behind a bush, for goodness sake, before God. The futility of hiding we think as long as nobody sees what i'm thinking or doing then i don't suppose god will either and so we can sneak about and try and be one thing with people and then in our hearts and in the secrecy of our lives and in the privacy of our beings that we can be something else if we don't recognize the all-knowing nature of our god how crazy it is to try and be hypocritical I think that's why Jesus spent so much time speaking against hypocrisy. He really hated hypocrisy because it was a denial of the fact that God knows our hearts anyway. He hates hypocrisy, doesn't he? And so, so should we in our lives. Let us not hide from him and, and be futile uh, in our uh, pursuit of sin somehow trying to hide it from the God who knows. But also, I hope that it inspires within us a sense of mystery in our worship. It's very difficult for us to worship and to submit to a tiny, little, small God that is insignificant and that doesn't rate time or prayer or adoration in our lives. A God that is uh, so small that he's really only a very... uh, good human being at best and i go right back to the beginning here saying that the importance for us just like in something like the credit crunch happens that we ourselves we need to realign ourselves to god rather than looking for god to realign himself to our thinking it's very difficult to get on our knees and worship a god that we are not in awe of if our christianity is just um it's going to be a god of the bits i like that's the kind of god i want just the bits i like of god Uh, or if we look at scripture and we look at truth and say well i can't believe that oh no 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 that's just not very nice at all and we cut out that bit about god because it doesn't fit with our idea and with what the kind of god we would like then what we're doing is we're simply creating an idol we're creating a god in our own image and it goes it takes us right back to the cross doesn't it because if we don't recognize we're sinners then we're not going to need the cross if we recognize we're sinners and we need a savior then we recognize that our thought processes are also flawed and sinful and that we need to realign to god rather than him realigning to us so that we don't have a kind of 15th century God and a 20th century God, and now in the 21st century, well, we've got all kinds of knowledge of God that makes him fit in with the 21st century. He's no, a God who's revealed himself primarily in Christ, but throughout his whole Word, the one to whom we submit and the one to whom we worship. Otherwise, he's just a pet He's just a comfort rag that we soak on when we go to bed at night. He must be more than that for us. He must be the God who has revealed himself. So that, like Isaiah, when he met with God, he said, Woe is me. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And I hope that by faith and through the... uh, work of the spirit in our lives we begin to see a little bit more of the god who is all-knowing and the comfort and the challenge that that brings into our thinking and into our understanding let's bow our heads briefly in prayer lord god as we come before you in prayer and uh, latterly in song we ask that you would accept our worship in jesus name that we would take comfort from the fact that this world in which we live isn't um, dancing to an arbitrary tune it isn't just moving along um, randomly but that we there is in all the mystery of this knowledge a sovereign god who is ordaining all that happens for his glory and for the good of his people it would take great comfort from the fact that uh, he is over and above and out with time and sees the whole picture lord it would enable us to worship you this evening it would also, we pray, help us to see the puniness of us trying to stand against you and say, well, I just want to be Lord and King and Sovereign over my own life in the knowledge that we don't know tomorrow, let alone the rest of the world and its timings. Or God, help us to humbly submit to you and give thanks that the social and the economic and the political and uh, the cultural The personal effects of this truth are gloriously comforting and helpful to us in the way we live our lives. To know that ultimately a good and a perfect and a loving and a sovereign God is the one who will reveal himself to be sovereign over even evil and will judge it and destroy it and bring it to justice in his own good time. Lord, may we seek to be in fellowship with you, to live with you in this life and eternally in heaven forever. May that be our hope, may that be our inspiration and may that transform our lives. We ask these things in your name. Amen.